Part of being a believer in Jesus is being an overcomer. Amen? Part of being a believer in Jesus is being an overcomer. We are called to overcome. We are called to get the victory. We are called to get through this and get to the other side. Now, there's many different things that we overcome. And I just want to mention a few uh, categories and we'll cover some more as we go through this series. But there's lots of things that we overcome. We overcome the obstacles in our life, just like how the, the nation of Israel had to fight the giants to take the promised land. There are obstacles in our life that we have to overcome. You know, maybe we got a bad start in life. Maybe we've got some physical problems that we need to overcome. Maybe we need to get through our schooling in order to be able to get to the next level in life. We've got uh, relationship issues that we need to, to overcome. We've got these obstacles in the path that, that God has us to walk down and we need to overcome those obstacles. Another thing that we overcome as believers in Jesus is the sinful nature, the old ways, doing the wrong things. And we overcome by living out the ways of God. So basically it's just to make it real simple. We learn how to follow the 10 commandments. You know, we learn how to honor God and to live right. We overcome the the temptations of sin and the enemy and we walk in the ways of God. And another way that we overcome is we overcome the pattern of this world. You know, there's lots of things that, that we can be taught, that we can believe that just aren't true. You know, we overcome the pattern of this world. You may think uh, things about yourself, you know, believe some identity lies, and it's just those things aren't true. You are, you're not a failure. You're not uh, defective. You are beautiful in the eyes of God, and God has a good plan for you. You are a significant, important person that is part of God's eternal plan. You're not just an accident that just is here for no reason, and you're trying to figure out how to make your way in a world that doesn't care. No, you're part of God's plan. You're important and significant. So we, we break free and overcome the pattern of this world and believe the truth instead of some of the lies we may have just uh, taught ourselves or have gained from other people. So overcoming is an important, significant part of walking with God, of being a believer. And it's, it's part of fighting the good fight of the faith. We overcome. And since overcoming is part of what we need to do, fighting the good fight is normal and expected and part of what it means, then we need to have skills for battle. Amen. We have to learn how to overcome because it doesn't just magically happen. Overcoming is a process. We have to fight the good fight to overcome. So let's uh, make sure that we are dealing with this the right way. And one of the, uh, you know, overcome, doesn't that sound nice? We're overcomers. You know, I could get all, everybody all cheering and excited about, yeah, we overcome. Woo, you know, uh, but the reality is, is if you're going to overcome, that means you got a bad thing that you have to overcome. You know, because you don't overcome something easy. You overcome something hard. You don't overcome something pleasant. You overcome something painful. You don't overcome something simple. You overcome something complicated that you don't know how to get through. So overcoming just means that we have a challenge, a hardship, some type of struggle 
struggle, suffering. We have a trial in front of us and we don't know what to do. So if we're called to overcome, that means we're called to walk into difficulties and then make it through those difficulties. So overcoming sounds awesome till you realize that means that there's a battle that is a scary battle and it seems bigger than what we can deal with. But the truth is that God has called us to overcome. And that means we have to walk into certain struggles, certain trials, certain difficulties, and we have to overcome in the midst of those situations. Now, I really like it when God just does a miracle and everything works fantastically well and we have a fantastic testimony. Don't you like moments like that? I like those. And those happen. Everything in our life isn't overcoming. Some things are. But some things, it's just a miracle of God, you know? Uh, and I love those moments where God just shows up and it's easy. But there are also times where we have to struggle and we have to fight and we have to overcome. So let's gain some skill for battle so that we can get the victory and overcome. We're going to look at two sections of scripture that talk about the process of overcoming. They start the same way. They've got the same things in the middle. And they finish in a very similar way. Two very separate sections of scripture, but with a similar process for overcoming. We're going to start in Romans chapter 5, verse 1. The first two verses are very nice and wonderful. And then it starts getting into the overcoming stuff. And then we're going to go to James chapter 1 as well. So let's go to Romans chapter 5, starting in verse 1, and see what it has to say. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Doesn't that sound good? Man, this is great. We're, we're right with God. We're rejoicing in the hope of the glory of God. Everything is going well. How can this turn into an overcoming situation? All right, verse 3. Verse 3 says, not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) One little quiet amen. We also rejoice in our sufferings. Do we rejoice in our sufferings? I've had different experiences with suffering than rejoicing. I don't know about you, but uh, sometimes we go through suffering and it's painful and we cry and we get depressed and we get and we feel abandoned and alone and and it it doesn't necessarily produce rejoicing but here the apostle paul says not only do we rejoice in the hope of the glory of god but we rejoice in our sufferings why would you do that i mean that's counterintuitive right i mean it doesn't make sense to rejoice in our sufferings because suffering is is painful it's hard it's difficult why would we rejoice There's a reason. We also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. So there's a progression from uh, sufferings to perseverance, to character, to hope, and a hope that doesn't disappoint, but which brings us into the victory. So there's a progression here. 
We rejoice in our sufferings because we want the finished product. We want to get to that place of hope where we can get free and the hope that does not disappoint. We want to get to that place. Now, why? Go back to verse 3. Why again would we rejoice in our sufferings? How many people have been part of a sports team or trained for an athletic event at some point in your life? How many people have done that? Quite a few people have done that. Now, uh, have you ever had a really difficult training day, training week, training month as you're preparing for something significant? Now, what you do is you put yourself physically through tremendous hardships so that you can get stronger. And you embrace that. I mean, maybe in the middle of the, the long run or the, the extra reps or whatever it is, maybe in the middle of it, you're not like rejoicing in that classical sense of jumping up and down, but you're realizing that this hardship, this painful thing that you're going through is growing you, getting you stronger so that you can be ready to take on the challenge that is your goal to overcome and conquer. You're trying to beat your time or lift a heavier weight or your team come together and win the championship. Whatever it is you're trying to do, you you train hard and you go through hardships so that you can get stronger. And this life is like that. We go through hardships and trials and struggles, and if we combine those moments with faith, we can get to the place where we overcome because we get stronger, our perseverance, our character, the hope and connection with God grows, and we're able to overcome on the other side. But we must combine it with faith because an interesting thing about this section of Scripture is it says... We also rejoice in our sufferings, but do we actually rejoice in our sufferings? As we mentioned earlier, sometimes we don't, right? So this is kind of a statement of faith. It's a statement of what happens when you add faith into your life of trials and difficulties. Because if we add faith, then we can go through this progression. But if we're not walking by faith, then the natural thing will be to crumble, That instead of rejoicing in our sufferings, we'll get depressed in our sufferings, we'll crumble in our sufferings, we'll feel despondent and dejected in our sufferings. But if we are walking by faith, knowing that God is in control, God has a plan, he's working for my good in the midst of this, and I can get through it because he is with me and he's going to work all things together for good for those who believe. And so we realize that if God is going to grow me up to get this strong, he must have a good plan for what he wants me to do so we can rejoice in our sufferings, and then the suffering produces perseverance. Again, does suffering always produce perseverance? Sometimes it produces quitting. That's very different from perseverance. But if you're walking by faith, if you combine the suffering with faith, then you will persevere, knowing that God's got something good coming. And then verse five, or verse four, I'm sorry, perseverance character. You know, If we're walking by faith and we're persevering, then we can start growing on the inside and start becoming a stronger, uh, deeper person as we go through these things. And character, hope. We want to go through the process believing that God is going to see us through. Now, let's walk by faith in the midst of 
the sufferings, the difficulties, so that we can overcome. Let's go to James 1, 2 through 4, a very similar process. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds. How does, rejoice in your sufferings. Consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds. Does that come naturally? Rejoice in your sufferings. Consider it pure joy when you face trials. But we see this. The pattern begins the same. With interpreting the trial, interpreting the struggle the right way. Consider it pure joy. Rejoice in your sufferings. Why? Because we understand this is not the end of it. This is the beginning of it. And there's something better on the other side. Just like the hard practice, the difficult training regimen, it brings you to a place of strength where you can meet your goals. As we walk through the challenges of this life, we meet them by faith. We persevere. We build our character, get stronger in the Lord, full of hope. We can get somewhere. And let's look where we get here in James chapter one. So consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Here we have perseverance again. So we have a thankfulness for the difficulty and we have perseverance in it because we're walking by faith in the midst of the challenge and we're not quitting. We're continuing on, but perseverance isn't the end goal either. The the end goal isn't to just be uh, thankful for suffering. That's the beginning. The end goal is overcoming. Perseverance isn't the end goal either. It's don't quit before you overcome. The end goal is to overcome. And then verse four, perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Mature and complete, not lacking anything. Who wants to be mature and complete, not lacking anything? Does that sound pretty good? That should be a louder amen than the one we got for the rejoicing in your sufferings. So mature and complete, not lacking anything. That sounds pretty great. Amen? Amen. Amen. Where does that start? Consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you face trials of many kinds. Because, you know, you don't complete the marathon by not training and just saying encouraging things to yourself. You have to train. You have to go through the suffering so that you can be strong enough to finish the marathon. You have to train, you have to overcome, you have to fight. We want to get to the place of being mature and complete, not lacking anything. That is a beautiful place to be, but you got to fight through some trials to get there. How many have gone through something hard that if you could choose, you would say, I don't want to go through that. But when you come through on the other side, you're stronger for it and you appreciate what's been built inside of you, the strength that is there now, and you are thankful for that. That's what this is talking about. We go through hardships, but we understand that when we walk by faith, the hardship isn't the end goal. Persevering in the midst of the difficulty isn't the end goal, but becoming mature and complete, not lacking anything, walking in hope that does not disappoint. That's the end goal. Being an overcomer is the end goal. That is why we can embrace the challenges without being dejected and confused, and hurt, and want to quit, but instead we can persevere, and learn, and grow. So, let's do some lessons for the overcomer. As we begin this series, I want to just cover a few things that are important foundational ideas for being an overcomer. Foundational idea number one, we must interpret 
our challenges, our trials, our sufferings in the right way. We must interpret them in the right way. If we have a challenge in front of us and we wither, or we feel like God has abandoned us, or we just feel like there's no way out, we're not understanding God's plan. God's plan is for us to meet the challenge, to persevere in it, and to overcome on the other side. So when we see the challenge, we should start getting encouraged. One of the things that I learned about ministry years and years ago is there is no end to the number of crazy things that can happen on a Sunday morning before church. You know, all kinds of craziness can happen. I don't know how it is. I don't have a theology for this, but it seems to me that that technology can get demons in it. You know, like the sound system can have a demon in it. I don't know how that works, but all of a sudden everything was fine and now it doesn't work. And as an early pastor, I used to get kind of flustered in those moments. You know, I'm not really sure what's going on. How do we handle this? It's, it's not, the service isn't going to go right. And I'd get a little bit flustered. And then, of course, that's going to be a bad deal. But then I started to realize, well, if something's going wrong, you know, if, if the devil's trying to mess this up, then God must have a good plan. There's got to be something beautiful that's coming if the enemy is going to do this. And so I started getting encouraged. You know, the, the power would go out. I'm like, wow, God's got to have something great for us today. We can do church without power. They've been doing that for thousands of years. It'll be fine. You know, but we're going to seek God and find out what that great thing is that he's got for us. And, and I started getting more encouraged and started teaching the team the same thing. Hey, if something goes crazy, let's just praise God because he's got a good plan, enough of a plan to get the enemy's attention to try to throw some crazy thing into it. So I'm going to start getting encouraged. And you know what? The the devil isn't stupid. He's evil, but he's not stupid. And so if he knows you're going to be encouraged when he throws hard things at you, he's going to hold back on that. Because if your faith builds, if you consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds, when you rejoice in your suffering, you're like, oh, wow, I'm going to be so strong when I get through this. I'm going to be so much deeper in my faith. I'm going to be in such a better place. I can, oh, yeah, I can hardly wait to overcome this one. You know, he's going to start slowing down because he's not stupid. And we found that the, the crazy things that happen on Sunday started to get less and less. And it's really, really cool to see how that works. But lesson number one, we must interpret our challenges in the right way. The first thing you need to overcome is your own mentality. You are not a victim. You are not a failure. You are not stuck where you're at. You are not doomed to repeat the same mistakes. Don't settle for a cynical, jaded, frustrated, impatient, lack mentality. Don't settle for that. You must overcome your mentality first. I heard a preacher one time say it this way, your inner kingdom will become your outer kingdom. What you've got going on on the inside is going to present itself on the outside over time. So if you are sure that you're a victim who's never going to be able to make it in this world, guess what's going to happen in your life? That's going to come to pass. If you know that that wasn't right, but that doesn't define you and you can overcome it and you can trust God to make you stronger on the other side, what's going to come then? You're going to get stronger on the other side. So we must interpret our challenges the right way. That's lesson one. 
Lesson two is that God tests us. God will test you. Satan tempts us. Satan will tempt you. God tests us for one reason. So that he can promote us. So that we can pass the test and he can take us to the next level. Satan tempts us for one reason. So that he can pull us down and destroy what God is doing in our life. God tests us. He does not tempt us. Satan tempts us to hurt us. Now, there is a little bit of a tricky thing here. Because the Holy Spirit led Jesus out into the desert to be tempted by the devil for 40 days. Now, God wasn't tempting him. But one test that all of us will face on a repeated basis in this life, one test we will all face is whether or not we can stand up to the temptation of the enemy. We will all be tested in that way because God has seen fit to put us in an environment where the enemy can tempt us. And so we have to overcome the temptation of the enemy. God tests us. When we pass the test, he advances us. Satan tempts us to pull us down. We must pass the test of being able to stand under the temptation of the enemy. Next lesson for the overcomer. Perseverance is not the end goal. Amen? Perseverance is not the end goal. I hear Christians say things like, well, I'm just waiting for God to teach me the lesson he's got for me in this difficult situation. You want to know what the lesson is the vast majority of the time? How to overcome it and get out of it. That's the lesson. Okay? (laughs) Your, Your marriage is terrible. It isn't, okay, well, let's just leave it terrible for the rest of our lives, but not quit. That's not the lesson. The lesson is, how do I get the marriage to be good? How do I get love and respect in the middle of this thing and have it be a beautiful relationship, a life-giving relationship, God's plan A type of marriage. That's the lesson you're supposed to learn is how to get to that overcoming place and get out of the hardship. Don't just stay in perseverance. Amen? Catching that one? That's a big one. Because Christians love to stay miserable. I don't know what. Overcome. Get on the other side. Perseverance is in the middle of the progression. It's not the end. The lesson that God is trying to teach you is how to overcome, how to get unstuck, how to get past this. Don't short circuit the process by building a house in perseverance and moving in. Walk through that. Don't quit. That's what perseverance means. Don't give up on God. Don't lose your faith. Don't quit. Walk through it, but be looking for the overcoming moment where you get on the other side, you become mature and complete, not lacking anything, where you overcome. Look to overcome. I'm going to give a couple quick testimonies, one I alluded to already. So, uh, Trinette and I got married in 1991. So, yeah, I'm an old, old man. I'm planning to get younger. I'm not sure if that's going to work. But uh, this summer will be 28 years of marriage. Yeah. And not all of them are good. (laughs) We look back and some of them were not good. Some of them were great. Some of them were tough. 
We speak different languages. We understand the world in different ways. We have different values. We enjoy different things. We, it's just, we're very, very different people. And as we look at it now, we realize that God had us together as very different people so that we could fill very different roles and really kind of complete each other. But it was very difficult to get to cooperate with each other. And we were, we were good, solid, strong Christians, and so we were not going to get divorced no matter what. But man, we were suffering through it. You know, like there was no end in sight. Like, how is this even going to get better? And she just keeps laughing back there. That's awesome. So, but now, you know, we've learned a lot of things about who each other is, how to live in a godly marriage with love and respect, how to do, how to do relationship inside of the will of God, all these sorts of things. And it's a beautiful place to be. And I tell you what, we're at a stronger place now because we know those things aren't going to shake us. We have a miscommunication. It's not going to be the end of the world. You know, we'll get through it. We've gotten through a lot of hard stuff. And so now we're stronger on the other side. And not that I would have chosen to go through those things. But man, I appreciate who we are now because we went through those. And we come out stronger on the other side. Another testimony, you know, I got saved late in life. I was 19. I consider that late in life. You know, some people were raised in church and they finally got serious when they're 19. I wasn't raised in church. I had no clue about anything uh, with regards to God. When I was 19, I got saved. And, uh, you know, so like I didn't know anything. I knew there was an Old Testament and a New Testament, but I didn't know, for example, that Jesus was in the New Testament, but not in the Old Testament. You know, stuff like that. Uh, I didn't know any of that stuff. And uh, when you're called to ministry, getting saved at 19 is pretty late in the game. And when it finally got to be time where we're getting serious about doing ministry things, now, you know, we've got little kids and, uh, you know, Trinette's staying home. We made a commitment, you know, Trinette stay home with the kids. And so I got to work and, and earn a living, take care of the family. And how am I supposed to go to school and and get my pastor's credentials and that sort of stuff. So I had to do distance learning, you know, like online classes, that sort of thing. And in order to be able to accomplish that with all the other things that were going on, uh, I had to get up. I got up at 3.30 in the morning for 18 months to get my classes done. So 18 months of 3.30 in the morning because I worked from 5 to about 5 or 6 at night. So when I got home, I was tired couldn't study, I'd fall asleep. So I had to do it in the morning. So I did that for 18 months so that I could get my ministerial credentials and become a pastor. And now I don't get up at 3.30 in the morning. (laughs) I didn't just persevere in that place of, well, I'm, I'm on the wrong track. I didn't have the uh, you know, the, the connections and the advantages, uh, you know, so I guess I'll just be on the outside. No, I fought through that. Now, uh, you know, now I, I sleep in the morning, you know, I get up at a normal time and it's a good thing, but you got to persevere through those moments and then get to the other side and you'll be stronger for it. I want to give one practical example of how to overcome. 
Earlier, we, we talked about the different things that we overcome, and one of the things that we overcome is the, the sinful nature, the temptations of the enemy, and we need to be able to overcome that. So let's read 1 Corinthians 10, 13, and I'll give you an important tool for overcoming. And that important tool is to read the truths of God out loud, to memorize different scriptures that are a promise that you need to grab hold of and then to speak it so that you can believe it and overcome. So let's read 1 Corinthians 10, 13, and then we'll kind of unpack that briefly. No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. Okay, so here's the deal. Our spirit knows that the Bible is true, but your mind may disagree. And when we read the scriptures, and when we speak them out, then it gives our mind time to catch up to our spirit. So we have to repeat these things sometimes so that we can get it to sink in. So no temptation has seized you except that which is common to man. So what does that mean? That means that, yes, you're going through a temptation. You're going through a struggle. You're getting pulled. But a whole bunch of other people have gone through that same thing too. You're not alone. This is not unique. You aren't the only one. All kinds of people have had this same struggle. No temptation has seized you except that which is common to man. So don't think that you are in this situation that God's never thought of and he can't help you because you're the only one. You are in the middle of the same struggles that many, many other people are going through. The devil, however, will try to isolate you and make you think that you're the only one and nobody understands and you're just stuck here by yourself with no one who can help you. No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. You are in the same temptation that many other people have. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. God is faithful. Now, uh, the devil will try to give you more than you can bear. You can put yourself in a situation that's more than what you can bear. But God won't put you in a situation. He won't let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. And what is the process? How does God accomplish that? But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. So, two very important things. Don't get dejected and depressed because you think you're the only one. No, no temptation has seized you except what is common to to people. This is something that other people go through that you can overcome. And God's plan for you to escape this is by providing a way out. Don't just... Stay in that place of temptation. The promise is that there's a way out. There's an escape route. So you've got to be looking for that. So no temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. Now you start looking for that way out. What's my way out? What's my way out? How can I get out? There's, there is a way out. And then you can, you can keep looking for it, and then you begin to see it, and you begin to overcome. You can begin to conquer that temptation, and maybe you stumble, and then you get back, and you keep growing, and now you stumble less often, and you have longer periods of times of victory, and then you stumble again, but you keep reading the same scripture. Well, repeated failure is not 
unique to you. Other people have been through that same thing. And so you then believe, well, there's a way out of having the cycle reproduce itself. You know, there's a way to get free. So we look for that escape and we believe God for it and we speak it out loud and we start to believe and we start to get free. And as time goes on, we get the victory. So speak out the truths of God to help you overcome. I'm going to invite the prayer teams up. We're going to close here uh, momentarily. I want to uh, go back to John 16, 33, our, our key verse for this series. I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Jesus here is speaking his, to his disciples. And this is the night that Jesus is betrayed by Judas. This is shortly before Jesus is arrested, tried, scourged, and crucified and killed. And Peter will deny the Lord three times, and the disciples will scatter. John will be the the closest one, but they're going to be confused and, and in utter despair and disbelief. And Jesus says, in this world, you will have trouble. Yeah, and real soon. But he also said, take heart. I have overcome the world. So Jesus knew that the chaos and the pain of that day with the arrest and the trial and everybody is going crazy and then they, they scourge Jesus and crucify him. Jesus knew that that wasn't going to be the end of the story, that his death on the cross wasn't the end, but that he would, he would be raised to life and he would bring in the redemption of humanity through that, that a beautiful, the greatest thing that's ever happened in the history of the world was happening. He understood that, but the disciples didn't. They were just distraught and confused. And so many times when we go through the hardships, we don't understand what's going on. We don't see it from God's perspective. We're just distraught and confused. And what we need to do is to have faith in the midst of it. God understands what you're going through. He doesn't blame you for being distraught and confused. Peter denied Jesus three times and Jesus reinstated him. You're not going to be rejected for that. But if you can add faith to that moment of trial, that faith to that moment of suffering, faith into the difficulty, then you can come through it stronger and faster. And so what I want to do now as we pray is have each of us seek the Lord on something that we need to overcome, something in our lives that we need to overcome. If it's a pattern of the world, if it's a lie we believe and we need to overcome that, then then let's put our faith on that. If there's a a sin that needs to be dealt with, let's put our faith on that. If there's an obstacle in our path and we need to believe to overcome it, let's put our faith on that. But let's ask God to show us what that would be for us personally, individually. Let's pray. Let's go before the Lord and let's seek him on these things. Heavenly Father, you are so good. Thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness. Lord, thank you that you love us and you care. That's amazing. 
Thank you that you've got a plan. Thank you that you redeem hardships and trials and struggles and you make us stronger. You give us the ability to relate to others who are going through the same things, that you help us and you work all those things together for good when we trust in you and put our faith in you and and are believing for good things through the middle of it. And Lord, for each of us right now, I pray by your spirit, you would just prompt us and put something before our mind right now that we need to overcome. Maybe it's something that's obvious that we know about already. Maybe it's something that's a surprise. But Lord, in this next moment, just put that before our mind. Help us to see what we need to overcome in our lives. Show us, Lord. And Lord, help us to have courage. Help us to interpret our challenges the right way so that we do not crumble and run from you, but we run to you and we learn and we grow We come out stronger, our character is deeper, and we're able to help others going through the same things. Lord, give us faith to overcome. Give us courage to face the trials. Lord, give us the right way to see so that we can rejoice and we can have joy even in the midst of trials and suffering. And Lord, help us to stand together, to love each other and encourage each other as we go through just the trials of this life so that we don't have to walk alone, but we can walk with you and we can walk with each other. So bring us together. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.